All right, so we're going to continue a little bit on Tesvav Amadveiz, the second part of today's daf. So we began the sugya of Erev Tafshilin, the ability to go ahead and begin preparations on Erev Yamtiv, which are then continued on Yamtiv for the purpose of preparing food for Shabbos. So we left off, we left off on Tesvav Amadveiz, 15b. So the Gemara says, It is two, four, six, seven lines down in the wide lines. So the Tana, another Tana goes ahead and brings the source for Eir of Tafshilin from a different Pasuk. Which literally means that which you will bake, bake, and that which you will cook, cook. Mikan Amar Belazer. From here, Rabbi Lazar said, which literally means, again, you could only bake based on something that is already baked and only cook based on something that is already cooked. We'll see what this means. If you look at Rashi, Rashi says over here as follows, So the idea over here is what the Rabbi Loz is picking up on is the pastor could have just said, bake, and cook on Erev Shabbos for Shabbos. So it's interesting because the way he's dashing the Pasuk is Ace Asher Essentially, if you've baked, you could continue to bake. If you've cooked, you could continue to cook. What does this mean? What does that refer to? Ultimately, again, so based on this Pasuk, Chazal understood Erev Tafshilin. Meaning what? That Chazal understood that the Pasuk is talking about a situation over here where in order to prepare for Shabbos, the preparation must have already started at some prior time. So what's the situation where in order to prepare for Shabbos, you have to have started at some prior time? Elamai, that's Erev Tafshilin. So to be clear, everyone is agreeing that, of course, Erev Tafshilin is a rabbinic innovation. Right, that, that's clear. The Shaya that the Gemara is just trying to clear over here is what Pasuk seems to support this concept of Erev Tafshilin. The mechanics are the same, which is that Halachalamais, although we saw Machlokas as to why Erev Tafshilin works, but remember the idea for us is as follows. The goal here is to ensure that we don't prepare on Yom Tov for Shabbos because the act of preparing on Yom Tov for Shabbos may be problematic. Whether it's problematic midaraiso, whether it's problematic midirabanon, it is problematic. So what does Erev Tafshilin do? We begin the process of cooking. We'll discuss cooking, baking in tomorrow's daf, but we begin the process of food preparation on Erev Yom Tov. So for example, let's say where Yom Tov is Friday, going into Shabbos. So we would make the Erev on Thursday, Erev Yom Tov. What we do is we begin the Shabbos preparations on Chol, on a weekday. That way, whatever I end up doing on Friday is not considered to be an act of Yom Tov preparation for Shabbos, but rather it's considered to be an extension of the weekday preparation. The preparation I began on Thursday, weekday preparation, continuing that into Shabbos. And of course, that is Mutter. Sigmar tells the story. Rabbi Eliezer was giving a shir, giving a shir in the base medrash on Hilchas Yamtiv. So what happens? Apparently, the shir was going on for a while. Rashi points out over here, so even the Gemara itself says that he was going ahead and Dorish Kol Hayom Kulo. He was, uh, it was a long drasha. It was a long shear. So what happens? He's giving the shear, and the first group of people get up to leave the base medrash. 
And Rabbi, Rabbi Eliezer was upset. Amru, halalu ba'alei patasin. These people are clearly owners of barrels. So this is a reference Rashi points out over here. Ba'alei patasin, hechavios kidolos echino lahem. So umasach mishtaus. So he says, essentially, they own a lot of wine. So because they own a lot of wine, they have a lot to drink over Yamtiv. So they have so much to drink that they can't stay for the shear. They have to go ahead and begin drinking. Kashnia, the second group of people got up to leave. Amr halalu ba'alei chavios. These guys, they don't own barrels, but they own kegs. So they don't own as much wine, as much alcohol, but they have kegs of alcohol. Again, getting upset that they're leaving the base medrash to go ahead and partake of their yamtiv suda. Kashlishis, the third group gets up. Amr halalu ba'alei kadin. These guys, they don't own barrels, they don't own kegs, but they own jugs. So what he was saying is essentially, the later they were leaving, oh, they, they have to go drink, but clearly they have less to drink. Kas Revius, the fourth group gets up. Amru Halalu Ba'ali Liginin. These guys, they only have flasks. That's why they're leaving now. Kas Chamishes, the fifth group got up. Amru Halalu Ba'ali Kosos. They just own cups of wine. Hischilu Kas Shlishes Lotzeis. The sixth group was getting ready. They were, so they were leaving in shifts. They were leaving in shifts. The sixth, the sixth group gets up and gets ready to leave. Amru Halalu Ba'ali Me'ira. These individuals... Balimira are literally again responsible for destruction or for desolation. Now, what's interesting is Rabbi Eliezer was clearly much more severe in his judgment of the sixth group. Why? Sarashi so points out over here. Halalu Bali Meira, Shaya Base Hamedrish Misroknan Maud, Uginai Hadarbakash This is very interesting. By the time the sixth group was getting ready to leave, they were getting up, the base medrash was pretty much empty. So it's interesting. It's one thing if you leave the base medrash and there's a lot of people there. It's one thing if you leave and there are other chaburas there. Okay, it's not good to leave. But Lamaisa, you're not leaving the base medrash empty. By the time this sixth group was ready to leave, the base medrash was pretty much empty. So Rabbi was very upset. Rabbi Eliezer, sorry. Rabbi Eliezer was very upset. And he felt, you know, to leave a shir is, is a lack of derech eretz to begin with. For Rabbi Eliezer. You know, for Rabbi Eliezer, it was a lack of, felt it was lack of derech eretz for the Tamidim to leave the shir. But to leave the shir in a way that's even more noticeable, more discernible, leaves the base medrash empty, then you're responsible for the desolation of Torah. Very strong. So what happened? Nasan of Betamidim. So what happens? He began to look at the group who remained. Right? There were, now there was a small chevra, and Rabbi Eliezer began to look at this group. So what happened? His mishtanin. They began to turn pale because they thought that he was going to be angry at them as well. In other words, he, he had expressed his frustration at every group. Group 1, group 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. Now there's the remaining chevra in the base marriage. He looks towards them and he looks upset. So they get upset. They get fearful that the Rebbe is going to be upset with them. Amr lahem bonai said, no my sons, lo lachem ani omer. I'm not upset at you. I'm not upset at you at all. At all. So what happens? I'm only upset at the groups that left. A very profound statement. Why was Rabbi Eliezer upset? So you might have thought when you read the story, maybe it's his, maybe it's his ego. Right? Maybe he's upset. I'm giving the shear. I'm giving the drush. I prepared so hard and now you're leaving. He wasn't upset for his covet. He was upset because he felt that they had a flawed hierarchy of needs or value system. That here we're learning Torah, Chayi Olam, eternal life. And how can you go ahead and leave behind the Torah 
to engage in physical celebration. Sure, the wine is good, the beer is good, the meat is good, everything is wonderful, but I'm giving you eternal life in Torah, and yet you're forsaking all of that to run out and to embrace temporal, physical pleasure and enjoyment. How can you do that? Bishas Petirasa, when the shir was over, and the remaining chavra was leaving the mace magistrate, Rabbi Eliezer said to them, Amr lahem, l'chu, so very beautifully, he blessed them with the Pasuk from Nehemiah, where Nehemiah says to them, Go and eat of your food, drink of your sweet items, send gifts to one another without, without number, for the day is sanctified. Do not be sad. The joy of Hashem will be your strength. So again, Rabbi Eliezer recognized you can't learn the whole day. You have to go and enjoy your Suda. But to that last Chevra that remained in the base Madrash till the end of the Shir, he gave them a special bracha. Amar Mar, Shemanichin Olam Samar said, what does that mean? That they're going ahead and they're leaving behind right? Eternal life Torah and just engaging in temporal pleasure. There's a mitzvah to rejoice on Yamtiv. Rabbi will see. There's a mitzvah to rejoice. So it's not like they're going out to the pub, they're going out to the bar, they're just going out just stam to eat a meal. It's a Sudas Yamtiv. There's a mitzvah to rejoice on Yamtiv. Rabbi Eliezer And Rabbi Eliezer goes according to his opinion because Rabbi Eliezer holds that the rejoicing on Yamtiv is not a mitzvah, rather it is a rishos. It is an optional pursuit. So we'll say we'll stop over here for today. We'll pick up Emirat Sasha. Well, actually, let's finish. Desanya, Rabbi Eliezer Omer, Rabbi Eliezer is an interesting model. Rabbi Eliezer says that on Yamtiv you have to choose. You have to choose. Do you want to devote yourself to spiritual pursuits or to physical material pursuits? That is the choice. You have to decide how to designate your Yamdiv. Rabbi Yeshua Omer, Chalkeyu. Rabbi Yeshua says, No, you could split the day. Half of the day goes to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, half of the day goes for your physical enjoyment. Amr Rabbi Yochanan, Ushneim Mikra Echad Darshu. They both went ahead and darshan the same Pasuk. Kasav Echad Omer, Aitzeres LaShem Elokecha. One Pasuk says that Yom Div should be for Hashem your God. Vikasav Echad Omer, Aitzeres Tiyalochem. And one Pasuk says Yom Div should be for you. So which one is it? Is Yom Div for you? Is Yom Div for Hashem? HaKetzad, Rabbi Eliezer Savar, Okula LaShem, Okula Lachem. Rabbi Eliezer understands that at the end of the day, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is giving you a choice. You could choose one of two paradigms. Either make Yom Tev about you or make Yom Tev about me. That's the choice. That's the choice. Rabbi Yeshua Savar, Chalkeyu, Whereas Rabbi Yeshua says, no, split the day, half of the day to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, half of the day to you. Ultimately, again, a, a combination. It's really an incredible thing. We'll talk about this more in tomorrow's daf. But this notion that Rabbi Eliezer holds, O Kula Lahashem, O Kula Lachem, represents almost a hashkafa sachayim of black and white. A person has to decide which world they're going to live in. Is a person going to live in the world of of of, of Lashem or Lachem. Again, we'll discuss how anyone can make a decision like that because doesn't life always have to be a synthesis, right? Doesn't life always have to be a combination? Which is why ultimately, again, 
the position of Rabbi Yoshua seems so much more intuitive. Half of it is for me, half of me, half of it is for Hashem. Isn't that not just yamtiv, but isn't that ultimately the paradigm for life? Is isn't that ultimately what it is? Furthermore, how could Rabbi Eliezer actually be saying kula Hashem? What does that mean? That you're supposed to spend the entire day of yamtiv ultimately again in the base managers and not enjoying the Sudas Yamtiv and not, not partaking of any physical pleasures. So again, we'll frame the Machlokas today, Amir Hashem. So the Machlokas we'll see is not just the Machlokas by Yamtiv, but perhaps even a Machlokas in Hashkafas Hachayim. That at the end of the day, how is one supposed to live life? Is life an either or of either I serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu, or ultimately again I focus on my own needs? Or is life ultimately this synthesis of the two? So we'll stop over here for today. Look forward to Miras Hashem learning tomorrow's daf together with you on Yom Kippur, Bisha Tova, Umitzlachas, and wishing everyone a Gemar Chasimatova.